this is Base Layer, brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Aiken from Decred. Decred is a fork of the Bitcoin code base to address what was perceived as a persistent and severe problem area in Bitcoin, namely on-chain governance. So we talked about Decred and their unique governance model, and we talked about what makes them uh, different compared to others. We also talked about some of the more technical aspects of Decred. Um, Many projects and protocols use SHA-256 as their uh, backbone, and uh, with Decred, they use something called Blake-256. And so we talked about the difference between SHA-256 and Blake-256. We also talked about their pursuit of integration with Lightning, and we talked about how they're supporting uh, cross-platform wallets. Uh, We also talked, you know, as I mentioned before about governance, we talked about their DAO, and so they are looking to uh, get that going. And so we talked all about that. Uh, This is a great primer on Decred, uh, although many people know about Decred in the system. uh, This is one that others, especially institutional investors, should learn about. So remember, nothing on Baselayer is investment advice, so please do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear the conversation with Aiken from Decred. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I have Akeen Sawyer from Decred with us. How are you? Afternoon. So this is great. Um, again, I'm really excited for this because I've been spending a lot of time researching Decred. Uh, it's been a project that has been around for a few years relative to some of the newer projects out there. So I'm excited to learn more. So if you could uh, give us a little bit of a background about yourself and if you could a little bit of a basic primer on Decred. And then we have lots of questions to go into about the specifics. Sure. Um, so my name is Akeen Sawyer. I'm one of the leads with Decred. I've been involved you know, full-time on the project for the last, I'd say, you know, three, four months, but have been peripherally involved for over the last year and a half. Um, so you know, Decred is a community-directed digital currency, and it's designed to be a superior store of value. Um, with a view to making sure it's built to last. Um, you know, a few things that are unique about Decred is we have a hybrid proof of work, proof of stake consensus mechanism. Uh, and what that basically does is allows us to better align incentives across various stakeholders. So from miners to, you know, ticket holders, what we call ticket holders, who are the proof of stake portion. Um, all the way through how, you know, funds are spent through our treasury. And so to sort of go a little bit deeper, you know, our hybrid proof of stake mechanism is such that in every time a block is mined, there are really three different buckets that block rewards go to. Um, you know, 60% of a block reward goes to the miners, like you would have traditionally with, you know, coin, you know, coins like Bitcoin. You know, 30% goes to the proof of stake ticket holders, and then 10% goes into what we call our treasury. And that treasury fund is used to continue to sustain um, the chain going forward. So it goes towards paying contractors, developers, and it's also the fund that is used to 
pay for proposals that go through a proposal management system called Politea. And I can go into that a little bit deeper as we go along. Yeah, I definitely want to learn more about that. Um, so it's my understanding that Decred is a fork of Bitcoin. Um, and so we have talked about forks before on the show, but just as a reference point, you know, a group of people, not necessarily Bitcoin or Ethereum, but to say a group of people who are working on a particular project. And in terms of governance, they disagree with the majority and they say, well, we're going to go and we're going to go to this other island and build the same type of thing. It's basically when it's open source code, this is what happens. And so it's very interesting to see this in real time. But effectively, Decred is a fork of Bitcoin's code base, um, predominantly because there was a perceived problem or of persistent and severe problems in Bitcoin, um, namely on-chain governance. So again, going to that specific you know topic of governance, what do you think the 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 problems of governance are in terms of proof of work? You alluded to it before, but in terms of proof of work, Bitcoin and some of the others out there, you know, compared to what uh, Decred is doing these days. Okay, so let me step back a little bit. So you know, the history of Decred and, and how we forked Bitcoin really started with um, BTC Suite. So the founders of Decred had developed a new implementation of Bitcoin that was called BTC Suite that was built in Golang. And at the time, once when it was introduced, it wasn't well received by a lot of the powers that be in Bitcoin. And the process through which they went to sort of discuss and and, and you know go through the idea of this new implementation, they learned a number of things just about the breakdown of how Bitcoin was governed. And so they took that code which they built and used it at the foundation to build Decred. And a lot of the idea around Decred was to have a much more secure blockchain um, and solve for the governance issues um, that was discovered or they, they experienced while being part of um, Bitcoin Core. Right. Um, so, you know, the really at the heart of Decred is governance. And the governance structure is such that we wanted to make sure that there was a transparent and clear way for how decisions were made. And so, you know, the on-chain governance system in on um, with Decred is, is somewhat similar to Bitcoin. You know, same, we have a consensus mechanism, but the, the differences we have um, on the Decred side is that there's a secondary layer called the proof of stake layer, where token holders and people who basically buy the token, hold the token, can self-select to buy tickets. And these tickets have multiple functions. First of all, they give it, they give our chain a secondary layer of security in that every block that's mined um, also has to be validated by a proof of stake layer. And so five tickets usually are called, you know, pseudo-randomly to validate every block. And at least three of those tickets have to hold in their affirmative for every block to be validated. And so owning that ticket ultimately gives a proof of stake holders veto power over every block that's mined. And, you know, we believe that that solves two issues. One, it makes the chain a lot more secure because you have a second, a second layer of validation. Um, two, it gives ticket holders um, a vote effectively in terms of validating the block in the chain. And it also, you know, the, the tickets are also have a, a 
give you the right to also vote on proposals. As I spoke about Polterre earlier on, Polterre is a system through which proposals can be put through um, by any member of the community, and we all get to vote, ticket holders all get to vote on those proposals. And so that's a kind of a third function um, of, of, of tickets. So I want to dig into that a little bit more. So on proof of stake, this has been a running narrative on the show lately. On proof of stake, there are obviously there are benefits. Um, we've seen potential environmental benefits as proof of work uh, takes uh, obviously a lot of energy. Um, you know, it is you know there is obviously conversation and narrative and debate about the energy utilization. Um, at the end of the day, I understand the the commentary from the Bitcoin community that Bitcoin itself does not require energy, but to obviously mine uh, Bitcoin and to be a part of that, you know, kind of transaction network, obviously, you know, there is energy needed for, for compute. But at the end of the day, proof of stake is supposed to have some benefits relative to that, including the environmental one. Um, but aside from that, proof of stake also has potentially some negative or some things that are not necessarily deemed as great because there are economic issues there. Um, people entities, validators, whatever the terminology you, you want to pick, um, folks or entities or validators that are elevated to the, you know, the, the thrones of Oracle or some other type of, um, you know, kind of additional validator or someone who is a higher step up than the validator typically has to stake more uh, to get to that, to, to that. What do you think about the economics of proof of stake today and how do you guys address it? So, I mean, I can speak to specifically how we address it at Decred. Um, our proof of stake approach is non-delegated. So, you know, every individual controls your coins. You get to control your votes. That's one distinction that exists in Decred that might not be the same in other tokens or other coins. Um, and the second part of our mechanism is typically... Um, so I think today, like, you know, the cost of a ticket is about 127 DCR. And so that roughly equates to, um, $3,500. Um, so that basically is the base minimum to buy a ticket. And now along with that, we also have a call, we have something called ticket splitting, which is a way for multiple entities to actually split that cost, right? So I might not be able to afford or have enough tokens to buy, you know, a ticket for $3,500. So I can split that ticket with, you know, five to 10 people. Um, and basically, it now gives even greater access to those that might have, um, you know, not enough to buy a whole ticket. So, you know, a big focus of Decred is to ensure that, you know, there's individual sovereignty. You know, what we're really trying to promote is a system where everyone has a voice and they have the ability to actually exercise that voice in a very clear and transparent way. So in proof of stake, and I want to dig into a little bit more because splitting tickets does sound a little bit like delegation, but obviously you're saying this is not a delegated proof of stake model. Um, but in terms of the proof of stake, you have effectively some issues there um if you are deemed a bad actor or someone that is not helping the the consensus you can effectively be removed your deposit uh burned if you will do you guys do that and how what are the processes involved there because i've been trying to get down to this uh from other proof of stake uh kind of models out there and projects 
And in terms of the judge and jury, how does it actually get done on Decred? So we don't burn. So everyone gets this vote. Now, so some of the way we kind of get around what you're talking about, I spoke earlier, is we have a pseudo-random system for how these tickets are called up to vote. And on average, it takes about 28 days, but could take as long as 142. Um, at the end of that process, if you're, you know, there's usually a small percentage of tickets that never get called up to vote. And what typically happens is your ticket just sort of, you know, unwinds and you get back, you know, full control of your tokens that were effectively held in escrow for that period of time. Um, so there's no mechanism to actually burn your ticket. And the voting system is a pseudo-random system. And your tickets get called up to go vote in a random order. And you don't, you don't necessarily have control of the actual vote, right? So typically it happens automatically unless there's a scenario where, you know, a block is, is you know, you, you're maybe, for example, you, you think a, um, a minor might be going rogue or you don't want to validate a block. And in that system, then, you know, the proof of stakeholders can validate that block. Um, but typically, proof of stakeholders do not lose their tokens or don't have their tokens burned um, because typically you're not, you know, you're, you're not trying to, you know, be a bad actor in, in some sense. You're basically trying to supervise or, or or validate blocks from from miners. I want to make sure that I have something correct there, and I want to make sure that I give you a chance. Are you saying that you guys can do rollbacks on the on on the blocks? No, that's not what I said. Okay, I just want to make sure because it, I, I, it sounded like you it said the word rollback, and I didn't want to assume that. I just wanted to make sure that that was clarified, that there are no rollbacks because for those that don't know, there was a whole big problem with a exchange a few months ago in re- relation to one of the other uh, digital assets. There was a whole suggestion about this notion of called a rollback, and obviously the idea of blockchains is that you're really not supposed to do that. Um, even if there's a catastrophic event, you're not really supposed to do that. So I just wanted to make sure. I didn't sound like you guys were doing that, but I just wanted to make sure. Um, the other thing, in terms of proof of stake, I wanted to kind of tie down uh, in learning more about this and exploring this more with uh, the, 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 the listenership is this idea again not necessarily burned but if you're if you're a ticket holder in this particular case and you abstain and you do not actually vote what happens so in, in terms of in terms of validating the block um, your ticket gets called up in a pseudo random fashion and so typically you have to basically be available uh, when the ticket call gets called up if you stake directly or if you stake through, you know, one of the a, a number of channels we use to actually, you know, validate these blocks. And so, um, if you're, for example, if you stake your um, your ticket directly and you're not available when your vote is called, you just don't get to vote, and you know your your, your vote basically moves on to the next ticket in line mm. that's called up. So. That's kind of how the process works. Got it. So going d- deeper into the technicals, um, and again, you know, this is more of a technical kind of overview of the of the project and of what you guys have done there, because there are some you know significant differentials. Most, you know, dare I say, many? I shouldn't say most, but many projects and protocols use something on the legendary side of SHA two fifty six asymmetric encryption. 
uh, shell to 56, which has been in existence for quite some time. I see Decred is using something called Blake 256. Um, and again, I know this gets a little technical, but I don't think everyone should, you know, kind of, you know, shy away from technicals because it's important to understand the differentials. So, um, you know, effectively, it looks like there's an opinion that Shaw has shortcomings due to its Merkle construction. So if you can simplify what the issues were with Shaw 256 and why you guys have gone with Blake 256, that would be really appreciated. Yeah, so I mean, simply put, I mean, we think that, you know, Blake 256 is just technically superior to Shark 256 um, for a number of reasons. One, you know, the, we believe there are fewer attack vectors um, based on the, you know, hyper construction. Um, and that essentially, you know, makes Blake 256 not susceptible to the Merkle tree dam guard vulnerabilities of Shark 256. Um, Secondary, you know, believe, you know, it's been, you know, Blake 256 has been tested by world-renowned crypto analysts um, and has gone through a meticulous review process. And so we think that, you know, it's been tried and true and, and tested um, to identify vulnerabilities and, you know, none have been found of, of note yet. Um, we also think, you know, it's a lot more secure. Um, it get, allows for higher performance implementations. Um, in the software, and it's a lot more efficient as well to implement in hardware. So we think, you know, across those points, we think, you know, Blake 2 Physics is a lot more superior to SHA-256 for those reasons. I want to dig into something here. Um, fairly unscripted, but I think it's easy, not too difficult to kind of delve into. But the notion of Bitcoin is that it's the the digital programmable money. It is it is you know ones and zeros. It is math. It is science. It is the programmable money, and so it is considered a money. And there is this narrative out there of the differentials between transactional versus computational. In my opinion, that Bitcoin uh, is in the transactional field. Whereas things like Ethereum and other smart contract platforms are on the computational side. So people can understand very clearly what Decred is. Where would you put it between the transactional and the computational side? So, I mean, I'll put it more on the transactional side, but with transparent governance and, you know, a very clear system for how we operate as an entity and a community. Um, and so, you know, in many respects, you know, we have similarities to Bitcoin around this idea of being a store of value um, and eventually a medium of exchange. And we think that, you know, for us as a community and in Decred, um, the important narrative is, you know, we are a store of value and we frankly think we are, if not the best store of value, then the next best thing to Bitcoin as a store of value. Interesting. I, again, I want to get a little philosophical here. This is not to trip you up or get you uh, kind of on record for anything, but I have actually flipped on that. I believe that you need to have it as a medium of exchange before it's a store value, meaning that you have to have people participating with it. You have to have them using it or wanting to use it. And then effectively it becomes highly desirous. And obviously then the supply gets diminished and if you have higher demand and you have lower supply, then obviously then it becomes something that's worthwhile. Do you believe that Decred is first and foremost a store of value then and then a medium of exchange? Or do you believe, you know, what I'm saying might be true also? Um, 
I don't know that I necessarily agree with what you're saying, but I'll answer the question this way. Um, we think that something has to be a store of value, um, and that's really important. And if you cannot build trust as an adequate store of value, then lots of other things collapse. Now, if you look at how you know Decred is used, um, in a large, even though you know we, we really position ourselves as a superior store of value, there's a lot of exchange that happens with our token just for it to function, right? You know, for example, the fact that you know individuals have to hold tickets um, and purchase tickets um, in exchange for the ability to have the right to participate in governance, we think has some aspects of a medium of exchange. Um, I think that you know. To add to that, you know, one of the big implementations we're working on is Lightning Network. And it's currently on testnet and should be rolled out on our main in the next couple of months. But effectively, our view is that, you know, focus on the store of value is critical. And then Lightning Network essentially allows us to be this very highly efficient medium of exchange going forward um, once it's released on mainnet. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Obviously, that was one of the things that we wanted to talk about is the integration with Lightning. And so with Bitcoin, you're at three transactions per second. With Ethereum, you're hovering somewhere in the ranges of seven or eight you know, transactions per second. Obviously, they're moving to proof of stake. Maybe that changes with some of the things they're doing with shards and with zero-knowledge proofs. Um, but effectively, with Lightning, which is an L2 solution, then you have state channels and you have the ability to kind of speed things up, hypothetically, um, not necessarily at L1, but at the L2 level. Um, can you speak about some of the kind of the, the, the transactions per second relative to, say, Bitcoin or Ethereum? Is it similar? And, and is that you know one of the reasons why L2 solutions like Lightning might be uh, helpful? Um, so, in, in many ways, I think you know the discussion around transaction speeds um, or transaction processing. In our view, sometimes a little bit of a vanity metric. Um, you know, the approach we've decided to take is that you know, on the level on layer one, you know, it's way to the superior store of value. We think that you know, integrating Lightning Network gets us to scalable transactions. Um, such that it's a you know ideal medium of exchange, and we believe that will be able to scale over time. Um, I mean, I think one thing to talk about our relationship with Lightning Network is you know the actual Lightning Network code was built on BTC Suite, which was developed by our engineers at Decred. Um, so the source code used for Lightning Network is based on BTC Suite. So that's one. You know, so there's a very strong relationship there. Um, you know, Decred is one of the few coins so far that has integrated Lightning Network. So it's Bitcoin, Litecoin, Decred. Um, and so, you know, in many ways, I think it was always in the plans for us to integrate Lightning Network as a layer two for medium of exchange. And there are many reasons why, um, as I've stated, that that relationship is there. And this is an open invitation for Elizabeth Stark. If you want to come on the show, it's op- it's here for you, and we're happy to have you on. We want uh, we want people to learn more about Lightning. Um, and so I also see that you're supporting cross-platform wallets. Um, one, I'd like to learn more about that, and I think people would like to learn more about what that means. And from my understanding, that would mean that you would have to have some level of exposure to interoperability. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, I mean, so Decred, you know, is available on Windows, Mac OS, Linux, and we also have iOS and Android app, apps as well. 
Um, you know, the very first you know atomic swap um, was done between Decred and Litecoin in 2017. Um, so it's an area where it's something that we've been thinking about for quite a, a long time. Um, currently, we support direct trades between you know Decred, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and are also you know looking at Ripple, Zcash, um, and a few other networks um, that we're currently considering. Great. And so going into, you know, features that you have planned for 2019, there's a few things I want to visit. So one, I see that there is this idea of a decentralized uh, autonomous organization um, like a DAO. So I'd like to know more about that and see how that's going so far. And then in terms of any kind of further iterations, we've seen other projects um, that are looking at sharding, they're looking at zero-knowledge proofs, and you obviously alluded to Lightning, but is there anything else in terms of implementation that you guys are looking at that can make things better, faster, you know, whatever you want to d- deem that um, for, uh, you know, 2000, uh, no, for 2020 going forward? So first, want to hear about the decentralized autonomous organization, um, and then kind of hear about any kind of you know, further roadmaps for the rest of the 19 to 20 to make things either faster or scalable, uh, more you know, easily composable, things like that. All right. So, yeah. So as I mentioned earlier on, you know, the vision for Decred is really to build, you know, self-directed and decentralized organization, um, you know, that really leverages the collective intelligence of the community. And so, you know, the core pillars of Decred really built around individual sovereignty, transparency, um, inclusivity, privacy, and security. And, you know, we think that for any change to be successful, those core pillars have to be, you know, sacrosanct and really focused on. And so, you know, for us, you know, everyone gets to vote on the rules um, and project level making decisions um, based on their stake. Um, in, in the community. Um, you know, so in many ways, you think about it, you know, I think that, you know, Decred is, is probably the product that's closest to being a true DAO. Um, because in many ways, everything we do is moving towards this direction of being, you know, a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, a couple of other things we're really looking at um, is one, building a decentralized exchange. And so we had a proposal around exploring this idea of building a DEX, which passed with about 92% um, of a positive vote on Politea. Um, and so, you know, we're looking to basically fund and develop this decentralized exchange. And so a truly decentralized exchange, um, unlike, you know, many exchanges that are out there that claim to be decentralized. Um, because we think it's really important to enable and increase access and really eliminate a lot of the friction that you see with third-party agents who are either collecting fees or, in many instances, um, creating security problems. Um, and so, you know, our DEX is, is going to be designed to be trustless and permissionless. Um, so that kind of addresses that issue of being accessible to everyone. Um, you know, it's going to be fair. So this idea of, you know, front-running that's pervasive in the industry we want to ensure, you know, is essentially eliminated. And also, you know, removing this, you know, middlemen who are just rent-seeking, right, and intermediaries who are looking for ways to extract value. 
So that's one big project that you know is, is, is in our roadmap that we're looking forward to enabling. Um, a second as well is in our current treasury system for how we actually spend money out of the treasury. Um, we're looking to decentralize that and essentially make that fully autonomous. And so that also passed through um, a proposal and a vote in Politea with a 97% um, yes vote. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a project that we're looking to um, put forth as, you know, over the next couple of months as well. Um, and so, you know, in many ways, if you think about what, what is happening or kind of the path we're going, we're, we're slowly but surely building um, a fully decentralized autonomous organization. And, you know, in many ways, we're, we're sort of practicing what we preach in that, you know, we're building this decentralized entity gradually and specifically such that we're basically, you know, eating what we preach. So we're going to become this entity that's fully decentralized. And we think that a lot of the value is not just in you know, having the code or having the ability for entities to actually build on top of Decred, but I personally think that you know the largest value we have to contribute is the fact that we've gone through that process and we've learned along the way. We might have made mistakes, we've figured out the kinks, but we're not just offering a tool or a system that allows people to build um, DAOs, we're actually our DAO. Right? And so the biggest value you offer is the experience of actually building this thing and becoming one such that we can offer that to um, anyone else. Right. I, I think that's obviously we, we've had a few DEXs on the show and, uh, you know, I, I am always interested in learning about DAOs. I think it's potentially the, as you mentioned, it is, you know, potentially the future. Um, we are all connected to each other now and we have the ability to see what's happening in a transparent world with data. And I think that's, it's a very interesting, obviously concept and something that you guys are working to make to fruition. So I will definitely want to follow up on that and see how things are going with that. And so getting to the top of the hour on the show, one of the things that we'd like to do with our guests is getting to know them a little bit more on a personal level. Um, obviously you're spending your time at Decred and, uh, some other things as well. Um, so we'd like to know about what people are reading. And so it can be crypto or non-crypto related. Hopefully there is a world for you that is outside of crypto. And then, you know, what kind of music you listen to. And I think this tells a lot about someone's personality. So we'd love to hear about what you're reading and also what you listen to. Sure. Um, so recently I've been reading Skin in the Game. Uh, it's a book by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. I'm mm-hmm. um, kind of going through his books in not quite the order of which they were written, but that's the current one I'm reading. Um, I'm also reading as well The Sovereign Individual um, by Davidson and Brees Small. And so I mean, that's a book that's been on my list for quite a while and just kind of getting around to reading that. Great. Um, in terms of music, you know, a lot of music I listen to of recent is mostly sort of like Nigerian hip hop. So, you know, Wizkid, Davido, Falls, Simi, probably people you've never heard of, but, um, that's but not, also I've been, that, that's I'm not, actually, that, that's um, not, that's not a fair, uh, that's not a fair, uh, assumption by the way, but okay. Oh, excuse <laughs> me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was a former DJ back in the day before I did all this other crazy stuff. So, oh, wow. Okay. That's good to know. Um, 
Sorry, I've made that presumption. No worries. And, but I'm also listening to La La Land, the soundtrack. Hmm. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I'm not, oddly enough, I'm not really a musical person, but that's, I mean, that's one um, musical that I, for some reason I can't, I can't seem to get out of my head. So every now and then I go back to listening to, to the soundtrack of La La Land. I think that might be the first mentioning of that. So that was uh, okay. You know, we, we this is why I asked the question because it's super interesting because it really kind of delves into people into what they're actually you know kind of listening to and, mo- and kind of motivating them or getting them inspired. So I like that. Um, the other thing that we like to do with our guests is give them a sec uh, a sec to kind of uh, talk about where people can find out more about uh, their relative projects. So where can people find out more about Decred? How can they get involved? And how can they reach out to you if they want? Yeah, so I mean, the best way to reach out to me is on Twitter. Um, my handle is Akeen Sawyer. That's A-K-I-N-S-A-W-Y-E-R-R. Um, the best way to sort of follow Decred, um, social media. So, you know, we have a presence on Twitter. We have a presence on Telegram. Um, but if you really want to know what's going on and sort of interact with, um, you know, lots of the folks who are building on Decred, you want to be in our Matrix channel. I didn't even know that there was one, so that's uh, that's super interesting. Um, so this was Akeem Sawyer from Decred. Uh, you now know how to get in touch with him and get involved if you want to take a look further at Decred. We will be in touch with you soon to follow up on how the DAO is working out and how things with governance are shaking out because that is a very interesting area of focus that we talk a lot about on the show these days thank you for coming on and we'll be talking to you soon take care thank you very much for more notes from this past episode about our guest please go to www.ar.ca slash base layer nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on Layer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter, Arca at Arca, or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know, and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space in the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, market commentary, videos, and more.